Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Animation Fascination. I'm Mark Viver, and back with me again is Matt Quest. Hello! And today we have a very special guest from DreamWorks Animation, Jesse Forer. Hello! She's actually going to be joining us for the, the entire episode today. She's a production coordinator at DreamWorks Animation. And later in the episode, we're going to be doing an extensive interview with her, but she's actually going to join us for all of our regular segments, too, so we're excited for that. Awesome. So if no one's seen this podcast before, this podcast focuses on the world of animation. Each episode, we feature an animated series, film, or past or present, or interview, like we're doing today with Jesse. It's Jesse, right? Yes. I go by Jesse. It's Jessica, but Jesse is what all my close <laughs> peeps. <laughs> awesome. So whether it's traditionally hand-drawn, computer-generated, or stop-motion, if it's animated, it's up for discussion. With that, we'll be back in a few seconds with our new releases for the week. Boys and girls of every age, wouldn't you like to see something strange? Come with us and you will see the saw town of with our new releases for the week uh, we have a lot this week just got to catch up on about the past month or so basically uh so going from there the first one we're going to do is from august 27th and it is one of one of the last of the xerox era from disney coming to blu-ray the from that era they still need to release 101 dalmatians basically and that's i think oh and jungle book that's been announced so that's coming out in, in february for diamond edition but the movie I'm talking about right now is Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which is the first time it's on Blu-ray. looks great on Blu-ray, as all of their animated films do. Um, they actually put bonus features on this, because now I'm, now I'm always scared that they're not going to after what happened with Emperor's New Groove and Lilo and Stitch when they put those on Blu-ray. But uh, there's, there's plenty of bonus features on here, too. There's Pooh Play Along, so the narrator invites you to play along with Pooh and his pals. There's five mini-adventures, little tiny shorts. They all kind of focus around Piglet. Uh, there's a day for Eeyore, which is another short. Uh, there's a story behind the masterpiece, which shows uh, Walt Disney's like pursuit of getting the rights to do Winnie the Pooh as a film. And, and it's, a, it's a pretty good bonus feature, like going back and showing that entire story of how they wanted to produce this and get the film made. So. It's pretty interesting to watch that, especially if you're a big fan of all the films that were made during Walt Disney's uh, era when he was alive. And then the last thing that's on here is a music video, of course, uh, with the the current Disney Channel celebrities doing a <laughs> their rendition of Winnie the Pooh theme song. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely worth picking up if you want to have a complete, uh, you know, Disney from their their uh, canon collection. If you want to have that in there, plus, you know, it's classic Winnie the Pooh, and it's the ones that you watch when you're growing up. So definitely worth picking up. Have you guys seen that at all? I haven't seen the Blu-ray. Um, honestly, I don't even go to Best Buy anymore. I just go to Amazon. <laughs> yeah. So, but it sounds like something I'm definitely interested in because I do love those shorts. Definitely. And it was just nice to finally have this one because this was originally supposed to come out in the spring and then they delayed it a little bit. And it was kind of like Dumbo where it kept getting delayed. 
Oh yeah. Just like Aladdin. So mm -hmm. hopefully we eventually get Aladdin on Blu-ray too. I don't yeah. think we're ever gonna get through a new releases uh, where I don't mention the fact that Aladdin is not on Blu-ray yet. So. <laughs> I think it's on PAL version, isn't it? Yeah. I I, yeah. Th I think you can buy it in England and it's region free, but and same thing with Hercules, you can buy that from France, it's region free. But oh. I want I want the the US releases from. But <laughs> I guess we'll have to wait a little bit longer. Uh, the next one is a DVD of Adventure Time. It's called Jake the Dad. It's got 16 episodes from Adventure Time on it, uh, from the second, third, and fourth season of the show. It actually came with a Jake the Dog, like winter hat, which was pretty cool. So my son's enjoying that. Uh, they released something like this last year. It was called Jake versus Meemaw, and it came with a Finn the Human hat. So now, now my son has both those hats. So he's enjoying that. He can he can be Patrick the Human, and, and the, me and him took a picture together. It was pretty funny wearing the hats too. You should send that back to me. It's freezing over here in uh, New York. <laughs> uh, I'll have to wrestle away from Patrick. I'll ask him. If <laughs> it's 85 degrees in the valley. So <laughs> yeah, 44 here today. So let's trade. I love the cold. Okay, I would more than welcome. <laughs> it's still it's still in the 80s here in Arizona too, and I was just in New York for two weeks. Matt and I didn't get to connect, which sucks, but uh, I, I was enjoying the the cooler temperatures there for the, the two weeks that I was back, so that was nice. Yeah, you actually can experience fall. It's so nice. Yeah. Yes, we get all the seasons here. Yeah, get summer. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we get we get fall in like maybe late December when like the leaves finally fall off the trees yeah so that's and then and then and then it's back to the summer in march yeah uh then the next one is iron man 3 uh that came out in september uh and the blu-ray for this was pretty cool it's if there's a there's an iphone app you could download that was jarvis it kind of works a little bit like siri if you have an iphone but it's a lot cooler because you can use it as a remote for the blu-ray when you have it in so you can talk to your phone and say Jarvis play Agent Carter short, which is one of the Marvel one-shots that they did that centers around Agent Carter from the Captain America film. And it'll play that for you. And then there's, like, these Easter eggs they hid within the Blu-ray that, as you're using the Jarvis app, they'll eventually open up all the armors. And you can check out, like, all, like, like the different specs for each of them. And then there's ultimately a video that you can watch, which I won't ruin it's a, it's a cool little Easter egg that they have on there, and it's definitely worth checking out. And that, that app makes it really cool just to, to be using that. Like, you can just tell it, like, Jarvis paused the movie. You feel, like, really, you feel really cool like you're Tony Stark, I guess. But I, I thought that was a cool way to have you interact with the Blu-ray itself and a, a nice little thing. And then you can also have it work with your phone so that you can download these, these ringtones that have Jarvis like telling you that you have a voicemail or that you have a text message or something. So it, it kind of integrates it more in it. I thought that was a cool addition. Uh, some of the stuff that's also on that Blu-ray, there's there's a gag reel. Uh, there's a preview for Thor The Dark World that comes out in a few weeks. And then there's also a commentary on there with Shane Black and Drew Pierce, who was one of the, the screenwriters for the film with. Black. So it's definitely worth checking out, especially if you of all the other Marvel films that they've released in the past few years. Um, the next one is a, another Disney Blu-ray that came out. is The Little Mermaid on Diamond Edition Blu-ray. 
Uh, and since they canceled the 3D theatrical release for this, it's nice that they included the 3D version of the film on this Blu-ray. So if you do have a 3D TV, you can check out the, the movie in 3D. I haven't been able to, to watch it in 3D myself yet, but I'm interested to see what it will it, look like because I, I liked seeing uh, Lion King and what was it, Beauty and the Beast in 3D when they did those in theaters. And it's always cool to kind of see the 3D with the, the 2D films to see how they, like the hand-drawn films, to see how they, I don't know, show like the multiplane of that and whatnot. So I, th I think it would be pretty cool to check this out in 3D. Have you guys been able to pick up this Blu-ray yet? Unfortunately not. No. Um, actually, my friend, the 3D transfer of it, so he did all the conversion. Well, he helped. Oh, nice. He was like, he's a coordinator as well. Um, they're actually playing it at the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood in limited release. So the cool thing, I mean, there's some cool things about living in LA is you get to you get to experience these things that a lot of people don't because everything is here. So um, they are showing it. I'm probably not going to go see it. But yeah, I they're doing that second screen thing with it, which um, I'm really yeah. kind of upset about that because it's conditioning um, people to make it th think it's okay to bring a an iPhone or like even an iPad now into a movie theater and have this huge brightly lit screen while everyone else is watching a movie. I think that's, it's the complete opposite of going to the movies. It's yeah. a really bad idea. I totally agree. And, um, it's, I want to go to the movies to escape all that crap. I don't want to participate <laughs> in any of it. So I don't know what you're thinking over there. Hopefully this is just an experiment and they kind of discontinue it. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess it's, Somewhat okay if you know what you're going into and knowing that everyone in the theater is going to have that out and that's what you're going into the the movie doing that with. Mm -hmm. But I, I, they have they have screenings of it just as the film, right? You don't have to do the second screen yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think it actually might be gone because they're doing the nightmare. Oh for yeah, Christmas the night before Christmas one now too. So it's I think it's done. It's yeah. interesting. It'll be interesting to see how well that one does, and then if they'll keep doing this with each new release of a film or I guess well even not with a new release because Nightmare Before Christmas they're just kind of doing that because it's a seasonal thing now so yeah I've actually seen that in 3D it looks pretty cool yeah I, I think I've seen Nightmare Before Christmas in 3D in theaters like four or five mm -hmm. times now because the <laughs> first year they released it I, w I bought a ticket to watch it back to back in 3D <laughs> and then last year they did a thing where they had a double feature where they played Frank and Weenie and Nightmare Before Christmas as like a double feature in 3D, so I, I did that too, so that was pretty cool. That's cool. Uh, oh, the, the bonus features on this Little Mermaid Blu-ray, there's a digital restoration to it. There's a music video with Carly Rae Jepsen uh, singing Part of Your World, which you can skip that. Uh, <laughs> Disney Intermission, which is a new thing they've put on there where basically when you pause the film, you can play like trivia or whatnot. So like if if one person pauses the movie to go to the bathroom, other people aren't just sitting awkwardly in the living room waiting for you to come back. That's cool. Uh, there's the Krabioki, where you can sing along with the different songs from the movie with uh, you know, Sebastian. There's uh, some deleted scenes with Harold the Merman, uh, part of her world, Jody Benson's voyage to New Fantasyland. So it, they, they kind of use it to promote the, the new Fantasyland at Disney World. Kind of like they did with uh, the Cinderella Blu-ray. They had, but they had Jennifer Goodwin, who plays Snow White on Once Upon a Time, go and check out some of the stuff there. But there's another cool thing on there. It's called At Disney Animation. Go behind the scenes with the animators at Disney. And it's kind of like those those paths to Pixar 
uh, bonus features that they've had in some of the older Pixar Blu-rays. And they really go through and like talk to different people that are working at Walt Disney Animation Studios and ask them how they got there. They even talk with John Cars, who interviewed Paper Man, uh, and, and as, as well as uh, Ron Clements and John Musker, who directed The Little Mermaid. So it, it's cool to, to see all the different people who came to Disney. And more or less, since it, this is on The Little Mermaid Blu-ray, it focuses on the people that were kind of really influenced by this film when it came back, came out in 1989 and uh, started their, their love of animation and wanted them to pursue a career working at Disney. So that's definitely worth checking out if you're a animation lover like all three of us are. And then there's a, a thing in here, Howard's Lecture, Music and Movies, which is a bonus feature that centers around Howard Ashman and the, the writing he did for the music in the film and like his his philosophy and like how it should fit into the film. It shouldn't just kind of barge in and then leave and not really fit in with the rest of the tone of it. So it's definitely worth checking out that as well. And there's a ton of more stuff on there. comes with a DVD and digital copy that you can watch on iTunes, which is the preferred measure, not the ultraviolet crap. <laughs> uh, the next one is Phineas and Ferb's first cool crossover that they did, because coming next year they're doing the Star Wars one. This one is Phineas and Ferb Mission Marvel, where Captain, or not Captain, Captain America's not in this one. Iron Man, the Hulk, Thor, and Spider-Man are sent to Danville with their powers have been taken away by an innator that Dr. Doofenshmirtz has made, and he accidentally set on them. And then it also has uh, the Red Skull, as well as various other villains like Venom and uh, Modoc coming, uh, pairing up with Dr. Doofenshmirtz to kind of fight them. And it should it's a cool crossover, and it makes me really excited for the Star Wars one that they're going to do next year, because the humor that that Phineas and Ferb uses on the show is both funny to myself and then my son, who's eight years old. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that, that Star Wars one after seeing this one. There's a nice little Doctor Who reference that they had in here, too. So, And what was kind of cool about this is Matt and I learned about this, like, what was it, like, two one or two years ago, Matt, like when we had Drake Bell on and he accidentally he, let slip. He like slipped that to us and yeah. then no one really caught on to it, but we knew about it. Yeah, so it was cool. It was cool finding out about it like way in advance. And then when it gradually more and more news of it came out, it was it was kind of cool to already know that it existed. But that's definitely worth checking out as well. They, they've been re-airing that on TV multiple times, but if you want to own it and have it in your collection, definitely worth picking that up as well. The next one I know that you're going to have a lot to say on, Jesse. We'll have a dramatic. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be talking about The Crudes that just came out on Blu-ray. Uh, there's a version where you could get Belt with it, or there's a version where you just get the Blu-ray by itself, or there's a 3D version as well. Uh, and I really enjoyed this. Matt, I don't remember. Did we, did we talk about this on the podcast before? I've talked about the trailers. Um, we've never ever gotten into the full discussion on it. So, right. so what did what did you think about the film, sir? Well, I'm waiting for the Blu-ray to come out because I didn't have a chance to see it. <laughs> it came out. It came out October first. I know. Okay, well, you got to go rent it. <laughs> yes, I know. Very cute. I could I chime in here? Yeah. Um, not to do any self-promotion here, but I actually didn't work on the Croods, but it had been at the studio for so long, so I feel like I was a part of the Croods. Um, there was a bunch of shifting and schedules and things, so 
it was kind of it was kind of crazy. We finally got the thing out, and I was super excited to see it. I walked in with like no expectations, but I figured if Chris Sanders is behind the helm, like yeah. it was gonna be awesome. And AKA Stitch. It was so, it was so well done, so cute, funny, great, you know, great characters, great personalities, had a good story. You know, people teared up, which is a great thing because that means that the movie's doing what it's supposed to be doing, and um, they are making a sequel. Yeah, so they're doing the, the TV series too, right? They are doing a TV series. They are. I don't know too much about the TV thing. That's a whole new like world that we're pursuing right now. We're starting to get it off the ground. So um, I know there's a huge lineup of animated shows they want to do, but the Crits is part of it. And um, I highly recommend it. I'm not a Nick Cage fan, but I'm going to tell you that he does a, a really awesome job in this movie. Um, he has, you know, great acting. He's great job as Grug, the dad. And um, there's an all-star cast in it. I think that Ryan Reynolds is has found a new calling for voice acting. Oh, yeah. It's, he's great. Two DreamWorks so. movies in one, one, one year. Because he did this, and then he did Turbo as well. He did. He did Turbo. Um, I, I don't know if it's a contract thing, but I feel like we reuse a lot of our voice actors in our movies. But he he does a great job. I think he should be a professional voice actor. <laughs> he does really good screen takes and yelling, and he just has a really nice voice. It's nice to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> and he's hot, so I guess Taylor's got that going for him. <laughs> But yeah, so, he plays Guy. Yeah, so it seems like you you would identify with Emma Stone's character in the film. Uh, I think she she's a really cute character. There's a part in the trailer that we've all seen where she has these boots on. She screams. It does. She does this great scream take, and okay. um, she's very feisty. And she wants to go off on her own, and her dad's very overprotective. And it's more of a father daughter story. I didn't think it would be, but it, it turned into something like that. And it's it's about family and uh, the trials and tribulations of how they get through this journey they go through. Awesome. So, yeah. Uh, there's some pretty cool bonus features on here too. The there's a crudacious creatures of Cruise and shows like how the the different pretty like the really cool animals that that are in the film, the mm -hmm. different ways that they look. Uh, there's a bunch of feature about them. There's Belts Cave Journal. Uh, the crudes cuts cuts yeah crudes cuts lost scenes so this, you can check out some of the deleted scenes and there's a be an artist draw creatures from the, the crudes as well so it's definitely worth checking out and I, I really enjoyed the film a lot too so I'm looking forward to what a sequel will bring and whatnot then and you said uh, you were talking about Chris Sanders earlier didn't he did the voice for Belt right I think he did because it's it's I didn't check in the credits. They went by so fast, but I, it's definitely Stitch-like. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he was built. Was not built, actually. That should be like his, his director trademark. He does the, the voice of the scene-stealing character that doesn't really have <laughs> I, that many lines in the film. Yeah, I'm glad. You know, I thought Belt would be really annoying. When I, you know, just from, like, the trailers and stuff, because we don't have a lot of control over trailers. It's, yeah. it's Fox. But, um... I actually grew to really love him. I think he's super cute, and if you just watch his animation, he's very sweet and very subtle. So I love that stuff. So yeah, he's a great character. Awesome. So going from there, now that it is the month of October, 
we've talked about this animated series before when we did our Nicktoons episode, but Shout Factory released Ah Real Monsters, the complete series, on DVD recently on October 8th. It has all four seasons of the show, which is which is only or not four yeah four seasons, which is only 52 episodes, uh, and I, I think that's because they did the same thing as like Doug and Rugrats, where the, you know there was the two episodes per per ep- airing, I guess, of the the show. So it's about a little over 20 hours of our real monsters. You can check out Icus or Icarus. Yeah, no, Ickis. Ickis, yes. Crum yes. and Oblina doing all their awesome. You know, like the monsters before Monsters Inc. So it was. It's definitely a really cool animated show to check out. It's from, I believe, Nickelodeon's golden era of animated TV shows when they had like this on and and Doug and Rugrats and all those shows. But I definitely would say that's checking out. Do you guys have anything you want to add about our real monsters at all? Um, I just know it, it's classy Chupa, which has a crazy style, and yeah. their their studio is still it's it's there. I drive by it every once in a while. I don't know if they're up to anything, which is a real shame because they had such a cool way of making these TV shows, and and I you know I grew up with that stuff as a kid. So, yeah. but I I would definitely buy this one. I love the show. I love the voice actors. Um, it was so weird and quirky and crazy and bizarre. And I still, I actually still quote stuff from it, like <laughs> non sequiturs. I'll just blurt out. And I'm sure people know what I'm talking about. But I, I don't know. I, just, I think it's a really neat show. Definitely. And, and if you guys haven't checked it out before, it's definitely worth checking out now. And you can have the, the entire series to watch. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. The whole thing. And the next one is also a TV series. It's Robot Chicken Season 6 on Blu-ray. Uh, has all 20 episodes from that season in it. It's got commentary on every episode. There's deleted animatics, featurettes, deleted scenes, channel flips, and chicken nuggets. <laughs> That's what they call their, their like little, uh, basically little snippets that didn't fit anywhere else on, on the bonus features for it. So, uh, if, if you... We talked about the DC special a couple episodes ago. There's, I mean, they have their holiday special on here. Uh, there's, and it, it's, the show is kind of cool because it's just like picks on pop culture in different ways and who Seth Green actually gets on there to voice some of the characters. Like sometimes when they do make fun of certain pop culture things, they have the actual actors who played those characters on various shows or movies doing the voices for those characters. So it's funny to check out. Definitely, if, if you like this kind of comedy that you would find in, in Family Guy or South Park, you'll, you'll definitely want to check out Robot Chicken as well. Uh, the next one, we had Hal Hecklon a few episodes ago uh, talking about all the, the really great and fantastic looking uh, visual effects that were in Pacific Room, and that just recently came out on Blu-ray as well on the 15th. And... He's, he's in a few of the bonus features on this, which was cool to see him on that, too. Uh, there's a great commentary on here with Guillermo del Toro talking about the making of the film. Uh, there's 14 little featurettes that you can watch with the film or by themselves, detailing how they built the Jaegers and how they designed the kaiju in the film and like the different actors that they brought on to do 
the stuff in there. One of the lines that Charlie Day says in here is that he's on one of the sets that they, they made for Japan in the film. And he's like, this set by itself, just the set, is two seasons worth of a budget that we'd have on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Holy crap. <laughs> so that, that was pretty funny to put that in context. And and if if you guys have a 3D TV, I would definitely check uh, recommend checking this out on the 3D Blu-ray because I got to see it in IMAX 3D when it was in theaters. And that's definitely the way you want to see it on the biggest screen possible in 3D. So you're like fully immersed in this this world. And I just, I've heard recently that Guillermo del Toro has actually started working on the screenplay for Pacific Rim 2. So hopefully that gets to get made. Because I know this didn't do as well at the box office as they would have liked it to. So fingers crossed that we get to see that. That's surprising. I'm, I'm usually when you know a movie doesn't make over 150 million opening weekend, they yeah. they shut it down. You know. Yeah. What sucks most time now is that if it's not an adaptation or a sequel, uh, most of the time the film doesn't do well at theaters. So that's you, the American movie going public. You're you're making Hollywood make more and more sequels to things and not pursuing original stories like like they should that we. All Lexi. From there, we're going to talk about a prequel from <laughs> from Pixar. <laughs> from Pixar, uh, which talking about it is it is a fantastic fantastic film. I loved it a lot. Monsters University. It's going to come out on the 29th. Uh, all the bonus features on there on this are fantastic. Most of them are actually set at the studio. One of them is like a day called Campus Life, where it follows normal day of production at Pixar and falls around uh, Dan Scanlon as he's working on the film. I'm not sure what day in production it was, but it, it seems like it was before they started doing some of the some of the the voice acting recording for it because they were still doing some scratch voices for certain parts of the film, even though they were pretty far in, in animation with like blocking and whatnot for other parts of it. So... I'm not sure, like, maybe if they were just doing scratch voices for characters that, you know, were, like, side small characters or there were, like, new scenes they were developing that they had to have John and Billy Crystal come back in for. Uh, but there's uh, the audio commentary on the Blu-ray is fantastic. It's with Dan Scanlon and the producer Corey Ray. Uh, there's Story School, Scare Games, Monthropology, and Welcome to MU, which are all, again, on the Pixar campus and showing different ways of how things influenced them with like how originally uh, Dean Hartscrabble was a male and then they decided to redesign her to be a female and they brought a, cent a guy with a, brought a, a centipede in so they could see how the, all the different legs worked and whatnot the way they could animate that and there's a music appreciation where they which centers around Randy Newman doing his score for the film and then there, there's a thing on there about color and lighting, about showing how they lit certain scenes so that, like, when when Mike is, you know, kind of doing better than, than Sully, he'll be in the light, and Sully will be in shadow, and vice versa. So it's cool to, to check all this stuff out, especially if you really loved the film. You can find all these different... Oh, and there's a really cool deleted scene on there that shows Mike and Sully in elementary school together because they were trying to, to honor the line in the first... The Monsters Inc. where Mike says you've been jealous of my good looks since the fourth grade, and this mm -hmm. so it's it's cool to check that out. It's a nice little scene, 
and I would definitely say this is worth buying. It comes on 3D as well, and it's got the blue umbrella uh, short on there as well, which is, which seeing that in HD is fantastic as well, because half the the animation in that doesn't even look like it's animation. It looks like it's live action shots, but everything in that is animated. So it's definitely worth checking out that too. And I would say this is definitely worth picking up. And the, the other thing with this is that they're also releasing the original Cars movie on 3D Blu-ray as well the same day. So that makes me hopeful that they'll release all of the past Pixar movies in 3D. Because so, I'd like to see Wally in 3D. What do you guys think? I I really like Monsters U. I thought it was really sweet and had a good twist uh, in the middle of it. Um I don't have a 3D TV, so I will not be purchasing that, but I will definitely get it on Blu-ray. Matt? Yeah, we've had this discussion before. I can't name one of my friends that has a 3D Blu-ray <laughs> or 3D TV other than uh, uh, Justin Vactor. Yeah, so. he's, he's the only one that we know that has a 3D TV. And it's been like three years, and he's still the only one we know that has a 3D Ac- TV. Actually, Ralph has a 3D TV now. All right, we're all going to Ralph's. Yeah, and I actually, if you get one, I want to get one like Ralph has because you can use the three, the real D three D glasses that you use in the theater oh, with really? with a TV. It's a Vizio, I believe. I'm, oh. I'm doing somewhat of a commercial, I guess, for this, but it's 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 a cheaper TV too, and it's the fact that you can use those real D three D glasses. That means you can have a bunch of friends over and watch a three D movie together. It's the fact you can lay on your side and actually watch the three D because yeah. it's the radial. Um, polarization that allows you to do that. So all with, with the other ones, you have to be sitting straight up. Yeah. So that's really cool. And you don't have to pay three hundred dollars for another pair of glasses if you want to have three friends watch a three D movie. So I have about five hundred pairs of those three D glasses. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I've, I've started collecting the like you know the ones that look different than just you know like Me the too. standard. Me too. So I've got a good collection of those if I ever do get a TV like like Ralph has. So Ralph. Thank you for letting know, us know that TV exists, and hopefully in the future someday one of us on the show will actually have one. <laughs> so yeah, that is our all of our new releases for the past month or so. So we will be back in a few seconds with our news. They look in your eyes, break a bones into hell Scream and shout into hell And we're back with our news for the week. The The first bit is it breaks the streak that Trey Parker and Matt Stone have had for over 17 years of doing South Park. They finally missed a deadline with the delivery of their latest episode of South Park because of a power outage that happened at the South Park studios. So it wasn't because of anything of how the way they produced their show. It was just an unlikely power outage. So I guess they, they ended up uh, re-airing the Scott Turnman must die episode. I don't know if you guys have seen that one, mm-hmm. but oh, yes. <laughs> so I, I bet that that was probably one of the highest rating and highest rated uh, reruns probably because a lot of people <laughs> probably tuned in assuming it was going to be the new episode, but they're going to play the new episode this upcoming week, and then I guess that'll push their season into December, so maybe they'll do another Christmas episode finally again, or another holiday episode, because they usually do their own spin on that anyways. But oh, 
so this is kind of, it was just kind of a funny thing that they finally kind of missed the deadline. And Matt and I have talked about the special they did before, too, the six days to air. If you guys haven't checked that out, definitely mm -hmm. check that out because it's a cool documentary showing their process of how they create uh, their show, do the voices and everything in six days. So It's pretty nuts. I, I had friends that worked on it, and one of my friends, she... She literally like started hallucinating. She couldn't handle it anymore. Okay. It, you you do work hundred plus hour weeks. It's not. Yeah. It's no lie. And um, another one worked there a couple. I think a year and a half. Where he did like two seasons, and it's just round the clock. So, like I think Matt said or Trey said, like they finally, you know, tempted fate to shut them yeah, down. They, and they said it was bound to happen eventually. Yeah, it's true. I'm really surprised it hadn't before, you know, in like, what is it, 17, episodes, 17 seasons now? Yeah. And um, it's, it's nuts, but they function and they get it done. And it's just miraculous every single time. I just, I'm like floored that they always make their deadlines. So, but yeah, that place is rough. I, I applied there and I didn't get in, but I think you have to be 22 completely healthy no attachments no boyfriend no girlfriend because that is your life right but the good thing is you get a hiatus and they pay you so awesome. yeah but still it's 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 definitely a dedicated position definitely. uh and what can be said for that show is that it's each season that show has gotten better too because just you know you know but since they do do it so fast like that, they can be current with everything that's going on. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's definitely pretty cool. Uh, the next one I know, I know we're going to be interested about, too, is that there's been rumors floating about Disney's Mona, uh, which looks pretty interesting. It look, it's influenced by, like, Polynesian art. Uh, this is, we're believing, the, the it's rumored to be the film that Disney set for March 9th of 2018. So it's still a ways off. But it's it's going to be directed by John Musker and Clements, and I guess it's it's going to be done in like a similar fashion to John Carr's Paper Man, where it's like a mixture mm -hmm. of like the CG animation with the hand drawn animation, and also mixed with the probably not pronouncing this last guy's this guy's last name right the Paul Gaudens art. Uh, it's going to be set like in a Polynesian world and. Uh, it's gonna have like a tiki god in it and whatnot. And it looks it looks pretty interesting. That so excited for it. Yeah, we found, concept. Yeah, we found some concept art for it that looks pretty cool, and I'm definitely interested to, to see what will come with this. And I always like all the films that those those two guys put out. Yeah. So I'm definitely I, anticipating that. I saw. Um, I went to this Roger Rabbit, or I'm sorry, not Roger Rabbit. Uh, uh, Richard Williams retrospective a couple weeks ago and. John Musker was standing right there. Everyone was there, like every single person. And he was just standing right there. And I so badly wanted to be just the ultimate fangirl and go up to him and be like, oh my God, I'm so excited for Mona. Talk. I didn't say anything, but you know, you just got to leave him alone. But I love tiki stuff. I love the tiki room at Disneyland, all that Polynesian stuff. I love that it's going to be 2D, 3D. It just has a lot going for it. They're super early in production. But, um, well, that would be pretty cool if they if they worked the the Tiki Room song into that movie somehow, <laughs> or pay some homage to it. Like yeah. it, it would be yeah. I'm all for it, 100. percent Because it has characters from films they've worked on in it now. Because Oz or 
they didn't they didn't do Lion King, right? Did they do? No, no, no right. Yeah, but it has uh, Iago in it from Aladdin. Oh, it, really? Yeah. I, 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 the last time I was there, twelve when I was twelve years old in Disney World, they they had Iago and Zazu in there because I remember it was like the Tiki Room under new management and it had those oh, two in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yep. I don't know if it's still like that, but that's how that's how it was when I was twelve years old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I um I know I went to Disney World a couple years ago, but I didn't get to go on their tiki room. So, but I've been on the one in Anaheim about a thousand times. So, <laughs> uh, going from one thing that we're excited about to something that's uh, very depressing is that Pixar closed their Canadian studio, Pixar Canada. So, over the hundred people that worked there were, have been laid off. And I guess it's from a Pixar spokesperson that said the team at Pixar is incredible. Pixar Canada is incredibly talented, and we are so proud of the excellent work we have produced there. However, as we look at the creative and business needs of our studio, we made the decision to refocus our efforts and resources under one roof in Emeryville, and we'll be closing the studio in Vancouver. Uh, and that, that studio worked on you know, the Toy Story tunes, Small Fry, and Party Story Shrex, and they, they also worked on Meter's Tall Tales as well. So. It, it, it stinks that they close, but you've seen that happening like around, around the animation industry in general. They they did that at DreamWorks too, didn't they? Recently. They, we don't. We well, have. Like a, they, they laid off a. Oh yeah, yeah. We went through a huge, huge cut. Um, I survived it, thank God. But yeah, it's been pretty rough. I'd say the last few years have been really rough at the studio, and it's a bummer about um. Pixar Canada because that's a place I was considering oh maybe I should apply to work there because that'd be cool and I like Vancouver and um on the one hand it's kind of neat that they want to do it all here local which is great because it's American jobs on the other hand it's it's depressing because all those people are now out of work so and the market is just so it's in the toilet right now <laughs> in terms of jobs so it's it's a real bummer between them and the rhythm and hues and oh yeah, yeah. digital like, domain yeah Matt, yeah you. I had a lot of friends I had a lot of friends at rhythm and hues that left Fisher Price went there and then they were you know put out so good thing you didn't go to rhythm and hues Matt yeah 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 I <laughs> I, I stayed here in uh, Western New York so <laughs> uh, so going from that uh, for some reason I'm laughing I don't know why. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not doing that to be mean. I it's just the. I'm just gonna go to the next thing. Paul McCartney novel is gonna become an animated musical feature, uh, which I'm pretty excited about. This uh, he just did a a song for Cloud with a Chance of Meatballs too. Uh, well, I'm talking about that. Matt, did you get to see that yet? Me and Lisa still have to see Cloudy One before we see Cloudy Two, or she won't get it at all. All right. Well, you've at least seen Cloudy One, but. Yes. They actually do a really nice recap at the beginning of Cloudy with Chance Meatballs 2 of the first movie. Good. So you might not even need... I mean, have her watch that, but you might not need to have her watch it before you go see it, because that, that is a really good uh, recap they do right at the beginning of the film, which is nice because it makes Cloudy 2 stand on its own. And the, going from there, the Paul McCartney song that they used in the film called New is pretty good to the, the storyline. That's what's going on in the film. If you when you do see it, you're gonna re you're really gonna enjoy the movie. I know that you will. Uh, from that, uh, McCartney's 
book, High in the Clouds, that he wrote is going to be coming an animated film uh, from RGH Entertainment and Unique Features. Uh, and it's going to be in 3D, as with most other animated films are nowadays. Uh, and Paul McCartney said he'll be writing original songs for the project, which is pretty cool. And he said, High in the Clouds is a passion project for me. I'm thrilled to be working in a partnership with Randa Iobi. I just probably totally can messed up her last name. Uh, David Corbett at RGH and David Michael Lynn and Bob Shea of Unique Features. Working with the highly creative talent at these companies together with Josh Klausner and Tony Bancroft, we will be able to create a warm, funny, and moving animated film that will resonate with worldwide audiences. So it's definitely worth checking that out. The, the producer of the movie said something about launching a franchise, so even though it's only based on one book, so... Huh. That'll be interesting to see if that's another franchise. It seems like every movie that comes out, they want to launch a franchise for. I know it's all about the money, sadly. But from toys from, and money. Yeah. yeah, I could go on a rant, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I could too, but it's to be. But well, well, our our site used to be one of these in what this film is going to be called. Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are going to create an R-rated animated feature called Sausage Party. Uh, and our site used to be one of those, but now we do have a female writer, so we're not anymore. Uh, it's set in a supermarket. The film will tell the story of an actual sausage that goes on a quest to discover the truth about his existence after falling out of a shopping cart. Our hero sausage and his new friends embark on a perilous journey through the supermarket to get back to their aisles before the 4th of July sale. Doesn't this movie sound awesome? Uh, I, I think it's I think it's gonna be cool just because I liked I've liked the other films that Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg have written together and then uh, now directed with This Is the End. That was one of my favorite movies this year that they did. Uh, all the animation production is gonna be done at Nitrogen Studios Canada and Vancouver. Uh, Sony Pictures is gonna distribute the movie, so I'm excited to see this. They haven't set a release date for it yet, other than it's gonna be coming out in 2015, the year. Every other movie in existence is coming out. I know that makes me kind of worried. But I'm excited to see that, especially. But like you, like you just said, you're kind of worried about it. It's going to be an R-rated animated movie. Um, but these two names are attached to it, so I'm hoping that helps it as well. And it's also an original film, so that hurts it too, because for some reason people <laughs> aren't going to see original movies. So, and the 4th of July setting in the movie, I don't know if that means they're going to try to release it around that time in theaters, mm -hmm. or what exactly, what time of year they'll try to release it, but I'm interested to, to see what comes from that, and exactly who they get to do the voices, maybe Seth Rogen will do a voice himself in the I film. I can believe it. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll maybe be like the same set of people that did This Is The End, maybe, <laughs> like they'll have Jonah Hill doing a voice in there, and Danny McBride and whatnot, so... I'm excited to see how that develops, and we'll see what comes from that, and we'll keep everybody else updated on that as well. So that is our news for the week. We'll be back in a few seconds with our trailers for the week. back with their new trailers for the week uh the first one is 
the new theatrical trailer for Rio 2, which shows a little bit more of the story for the film and what we can expect from it. Uh, and what, what did you guys think about the trailer? I think it was kind of interesting. It almost makes the, the scientists in the first film kind of stupid since they kind of find out that there's actually more uh, blue macaws than just blue and, and jewel in existence still. So. Mm. Matt, you can chime in if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> it, it's like, you know, I don't know. It, 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 you know, you see more of, like, the environment that it's going to be in. Yeah. And, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Rio. I think the humor's really sophomoric. It's for little kids. And I'm such a snob. Like, I can't like them all. Um, that being said, Blue Sky does some beautiful animation. <laughs> so yeah. we get to watch some really cool feather sims and birds flying. And they're very cute and appealing. Uh, just story, I don't know. I, I feel like we've seen this before. Oh, there's a hidden group of blue macaws. Oh. Let's live here. Let's leave captivity. I have a prediction that's what's going to happen. Okay, or compromise and something. Yeah. Uh, the From the Rio, Web, Rio 2 website, it says, Rich with grandeur, character, color, and music, Rio 2 finds Jewel Blue and their three kids leaving their domesticated life in that magical city for a journey to the Amazon. They encounter a menagerie of characters who are born to be wild. And it comes out April 11th, 2014. So, uh, there might be another trailer after this, but this seems like this is like the the final trailer mm -hmm. for the film, or if not, uh, one of the final trailers. But it, yeah, Andy Garcia seems to be playing Jules' dad. He's got like a crop top haircut. Well, so, that's who that is. Okay. Yeah, it's, it almost seems like it's gonna be like Meet the Parents with with Rio. Yeah. So, that'll that'll be interesting to see what that has to bring, but. I know the next one you two are probably very excited for is they finally released for Frozen that wasn't centered around Olaf. Yes. And and Sviend, <laughs> the, the reindeer. But what, what did you guys think about this trailer? It, it major, majorly focuses on Elsa. I wonder if they'll do a an Anna-centric trailer as well. But what do you guys think about it? Uh, I loved it. It got me really excited. I'm going to have to be honest and say those other trailers really generic they really dumbed it down even my friends who worked on it thought it was trash <laughs> but this new one this new one's great like there's some really cool shots of Elsa like chained up in a tower with her hands all cuffed and I'm like that's cool like that's got some old school Disney flair to it and um, I think Olaf they loved it they love to be centered around that comedy relief and I want to know what the meat of the story is you know so this this opens it up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, um, I feel like this really opened up like the story more too, like watching this trailer. So I can't wait to see this. It's gonna be awesome. It is. It's, I hope it makes a lot of money. I want Disney to do well, and you know they've got some really cool stuff coming up, and I'm I'm really excited. They're kind of getting back on their A game. There was a big lull there for a while, and <laughs> now it's like picking up again. It's great. So, yeah, it's almost kind of like a, a second resurgence of like like a new Disney Renaissance almost. Yeah, it is. I I loved Hilda. I 
love Wreck-It Ralph, and if they can keep going, I mean, they'll get back. Like, they're the king of animation. They just turned 90 the other day. So, you know, they have to go through their roots, and this is what they do. They they came up with all this stuff. So. They make a pretty bold claim in the trailer, though, that it says that it's the... Yeah, like one of the best do. films since The Lion King. I know. Jeez, yeah, so, that's. So yeah, so. <laughs> Let's see if they live up to it. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I, I thought all the animation in the in the trailer was great. The music that they have in there too, and I like that they actually focused on showing that the the film is going to have music in it, like some yeah. of the, the past Disney films have. So I thought that was pretty good. Uh, you get a little glimpse of the trolls that are in the film as well. But, yeah, I saw that too. I didn't know what that was. Yeah, so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing all the the finished animation in this film, and the, see what the storyline is, and, and see exactly how everything fits in together with this. So definitely worth, or definitely excited to check out Frozen in, in a few months. And we know our friends over at the the Rotoscopers are super excited for this movie. They have been since last year. So mm-hmm. definitely. Looking forward to Frozen, and uh, we're going to talk about this in a little while, but they're going to have the that Get a Horse short in front of Frozen as well, so I'm looking forward to seeing that, too. And I'm, I'm hoping that actually has Disney have starts another tradition of having short films in front of their films as well, like Pixar has been doing. There's another studio that started putting shorts in front of their films, too. I don't remember... I, don't remember, I think it might have been DreamWorks, but they're, they're playing like the... Like the Looney Tunes shorts? Oh, that's Warner Brothers. They did Warner that with yeah. um, that owl movie, Guardians. Oh yeah, Guardians. Yeah. So, I think it'd be cool if like all like all the animated studios started doing like shorts in front of because I I like the you know that helps build creativity jobs. and like and jobs yeah. <laughs> jobs. It's all about the jobs. And more, and then if people like that short, that can even help them you know make another film from that short i'm all for it too so have you guys got to check out the superman 75 year uh anniversary trailer or not trailer it's more like like an animated short that uh bruce tim and Zack snyder produced together it's gonna be on the yes. man of steel blu-ray yes it's very cool did you, did you get to see it matt yeah i saw it at work without sound on so it was pretty sweet <laughs> yeah I, I think it's cool like how they they have superman like morph into like the different versions of himself and since they can't really fit everything from the 75 years that he's existed, they kind of have other stuff in the background. I feel bad for Dean Cain and Brandon Routh, though, because they don't, they don't get any love in the movie. And then in the short. Uh, <laughs> Tom Welling kind of does because they have a, a water tower in the background that says Smallville in, in the logo from the, the show. Yeah. Uh, but I thought it was pretty cool. I, I liked it. Uh, I think that was cool. And Bruce Tim, people will know, you know, he did the Superman the Animated Series and Batman the Animated Series and the Justice League. So he's no stranger to the Man of Steel. But I think I think that was a really cool animated thing that they did with that. And it'll be a nice little bonus feature for people that pick up the Man of Steel Blu-ray. Yeah, I love them. Um, my favorites are the Fleischer shorts from the 40s. And oh, yeah. I have the DVD and they did a nod to that, which I, I got really jazzed about. Because the Mechanical Monsters, it's probably one. Probably the famous one they did. Oh, yeah. um, it's right in the beginning, so I'm really, I'm really stoked that they put that in there. Someone have an airplane flying over. That's mine. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I ha- I bought there's like this one Superman box set, like back when Superman Returns came out, they had a bunch of stuff on it, and it had all all, all the Flesh cartoons on there. So 
Mm-hmm. I'm glad I picked that up because I can watch those whatever I want. But I think they're all on Netflix actually too. So. Oh, cool. For Superman fans and just fans of cool older animation, they might still be on Netflix because Netflix gets rid of stuff randomly without letting you know beforehand. But uh, yeah, so that might still be on Netflix. It might not be. But the next thing I thought was cool because it's a different way of doing a documentary, uh, kind of telling about someone's life. It's called The Proof for Adoption and segments of the film are, are done in animation to show uh, this, this man's memories of being adopted as a, a child from Korea by Belgian parents and then like his, in, his inherent struggles of adapting to a life as an outsider. So, and he actually animated the film as well too. So this is a really cool way of, you know, of doing a documentary I think rather than just like, you know, the normal way that we're used to with like talking heads and whatnot. And it's a, a cool way of retelling his, his story in a, in a way. What did you what did you guys think about it? I haven't seen it, actually. <laughs> Matt? I'm looking at the concept art for it. It looks pretty cool. I mean, it's nice to see. So the guy who, like, this happened to, like, he actually did it himself? Yeah, he's directing and then he animated the film as well, too. Well, I guess you could say that, you know, you could put more emotion into a film if, you know, it actually happened to you. So I'd be interested to see this. Definitely. It's, it's already gone around a few like the the film festivals and it's getting some like award recognition so nice it'll be i'm sure it'll probably get like you know a best foreign film oscar nomination or best uh documentary nomination it'd be interesting if it got a uh, best animation nomination too because that's already going to be tight this year with all, with all the great animated films that came out again this year too so it'll be interesting uh, so yeah those are our new trailers for the week We'll be back in a few seconds with her recommendations. When the light's still gone, shine, shine your way. And you may not know where to go. Shine, shine your way. Open road, but it's still dark. Build a fire from a spark and shine, shine your way. Feed the feeling in your heart. All right, and we're back with our recommendations for the week. Hopefully everybody got a chance to check out Fixar's first TV special this past week, Toy Story of Terror. Uh, it, I thought it was pretty awesome. This is my recommendation for the week. Uh, kind of funny, it's got Combat Carl in it. Uh, and the only problem, I think that was the only problem I had with the short was because Combat Carl, when you see him in Toy Story, is like this generic looking uh, like army figure that Sid blows up. And then the combat Carl that's in this looks a lot different. So, I, yes. I, I guess unless it's like another incarnation of combat Carl, like a like a newer toy, or maybe like that other combat Carl was a vintage combat Carl toy. I'm thinking <laughs> way too much about it, but I don't know. That's that's the first thing I thought about. And what's cool is that Carl Weathers uh, did the voice of combat Carl, and you guys may remember him as Chubbs from Happy Gilmore. Yes. Uh, and without giving too much away, you you may remember that Chubbs was missing a hand in oh, Happy Gilmore. Geez. Oh, really? And uh, Comet Carl may or may not be missing a hand as well, and it may or may not be the same hand that Chubbs <laughs> was missing. So that that's a cool little thing. And that's I so there there is a bunch of Easter eggs in this that uh, our friends at Pixar Post found in there. There's like some little nods to the Pizza Planet. 
that uh, do you guys mind if I get into spoilers at all? No. All right. Uh, the guy, if you really pay attention, that that bought Woody off of eBid uh, during the sh the special was none other none other than Al from Al Al's Toy Barn in Toy Story 2. They had a, a little scene, I guess, originally that showed Al on his end of the computer bidding <laughs> bidding for Woody, but I guess they cut it for pacing or whatnot. Uh, but there's uh, some stuff in there that's Easter eggs for the good dinosaur, which I don't think we've got to discuss this yet, but that got pushed to 2015. So there's actually not going to be any Pixar films next year, 2014. So we'll get in Inside Out will be the next Pixar film that actually comes out in theaters. Uh, but from there, the, I thought this, this special was really good. I liked it. It doesn't have all of uh, Bonnie's new toys that she inherited from Andy. Uh, the main characters that are in this are Mr. Pricklepants, just a good amount of screen time, which I'm happy about. Timothy Dalton getting some some screen time in this as well. Uh, it's got Jesse, Buzz, Woody, Potato Head, Rex, and Trixie in it, and then with the, these new characters as well that are also at the hotel with Combat Carl. And, uh, I thought it, thought it was really good short. I liked how it was done, and the animation looks great because. Our friend Chris Chua, uh, who we've talked to before on the show, uh, got to work on it a little bit, so that's pretty cool. Uh, and I'm definitely hoping that they get to do another holiday special in the future. And I think I remember them announcing that they were doing two, like one this year and then one next year, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. What did you think about it, Matt? I thought it was awesome. I really liked the the ending. Um, oh, yeah. even like after, um, the credits, I'm not going to give it away, but, um, you know, I thought it was like the perfect, you know, perfect way to end it. Um, it was awesome. I mean, I seeing it like on like my TV, you know, HD from, you know, cause I have direct TV. I thought it just the quality of it was amazing just to see it. Um, you know, on a big flat screen in my living room as it's coming out. I thought that was really cool that they did this where, you know, it was on TV and, you know, we didn't have to buy it. We didn't have to go and watch it at the theater. It was just cool to be in my living room and see, like, something new from Toy Story. So yeah. that was, it was pretty cool. Definitely. I liked I liked the, the kind of framing for it as well with, uh, with Mr. Pricklepants, like, giving all the the mechanisms yeah, yeah. of a, a horror film and like how they put that with the story that they're watching. So, and it's, it's really Jesse centric too. So, uh, I think you will like that if you like things <laughs> that are centric around your name. Yeah, I do like Jesse. I have a, a, when the second movie came out, I, I have an original Jesse doll, not like a rag doll, but a Mattel doll. And I keep it at my desk and it's a really cool sculpt. Like usually those dolls look kind of funky, but um, I think she's a really charming character, and I'm glad they're doing more with her now, and um, she adds a lot to the franchise. I also like Trixie. I think she's oh, yeah, really Trixie's cute. Awesome. I have a Trixie uh, plush at my desk as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, I like that voice actress, Kristen. Schoen. Yeah. She's on Gravity Falls, too. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was funny. Uh, last year at Halloween, um, you know, I, I donate pumpkins to the Ronald McDonald House every year. I um and last year I did the Buzz and uh, Woody theme and uh, my fiance she carved Jesse um, oh. into one of her pumpkins and we we donated it to the kids down there 
And uh, when we brought them down there, I was like, you know, we always ask them which pumpkin, you know, is their favorite. So I'm like, come on, Buzzer Woody. And they were like, they loved Jessie the best. So Aww. she had, uh, yeah, she had the best pumpkin last year. So it was, it was pretty cool. You have to send Jessie some of the pictures of the pumpkins you've carved because yeah, they're pretty awesome, the ones that Matt has done. Yeah, I'll I'll post up a whole bunch of them from years past, and th- and actually I'm working on uh, uh, Young Frankenstein this year, a whole oh, nice. series. So. Oh yeah, I saw the first one you keep, did with with Evelyn. Keep an, keep an eye out for that. Igor, <laughs> I I told Matt you should do one of her logo because that'd be cool. Because we could use it as like a Twitter yeah. logo. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll get working on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's my recommendation, and now we're gonna go to Matt's recommendation. So my recommendation for the week is Box on Vimeo. This is such an awesome, um, you know, like live action animation. Um, the first time I saw it, I was just like, "Holy crap!" And uh, what it is is it's actually a video. It's a, it's a live action video, but um, you know, it's been animated so that uh, these digital projectors are projecting onto these two cards that are attached to uh, robotic arms. And uh, there's a character, there's just like a person in the scene kind of interacting with these like uh, plain cubes. And it's just, it's amazing um, to see this technology just all put together and the animation and just the tracking. Um, You know, it's like the camera's actually on a robotic arm as well. So, you know, one of the guys that I, I work with over at Fisher-Price kind of explained it to me. And, it, you know, it's just done in a 3D environment. And we actually, they actually track all, like, the projectors and the arms and the planes. And uh, it's, it's all that information that you do in 3D is translated into the robotic arms. So it's just seamless. It's amazing what, it, what it's, you know, it's doing and what it's done and how it just looks in this film. It's really, like bends your mind a couple times so um what do you think of it mark i enjoyed it a lot i thought it was cool i liked the music that they pl- were playing yeah. with it i liked the the cinematography of it too with like the black and white uh like it was like really contrasting <clears throat> black and white too and, and i like not to give anything away but like like how like the, the entire time you see the guy kind of interacting with the two panels and then how he ultimately interacts with them near the end of it i thought that was pretty cool how they worked that out knowing that it's animation and so I, I really enjoyed it i thought it was it was great and i like the quote that they show at the end too anything that's uh, any kind of technology can be distinguishable as magic so. yeah what, what, what did you, you think, think jesse i thought it was cool i i it's different and i like that and it's um it's very technical so i i like i'm a big character animation person so this is a whole different side and um i like when they experiment with different things and it's, it's just different and that's that's good because we want things to be original nowadays so <laughs> yeah yeah good good choice <laughs> so what was your recommendation for the week so mine was uh get a horse which we talked about before i we went we had this um uh, the show of shows i think it's called it's animation shorts 
and they came to DreamWorks and they presented all the you know the shorts that are in festivals right now and probably be Oscar nominated and Get a Horse was one of them which they're showing with Frozen and I my favorite era of animation is the 30s and 40s and late 20s I guess you could say original Mickey Mouse so when this was announced I was like so excited for it and it's all rubber hose animation it's all the original kind of style of Mickey Mouse characters and the cool thing is they used original sound bites for the voice acting so the original voice of Pete Pegleg Pete is in there and Walt Disney is Mickey Mouse and they use some original mini and uh, Horace Horse Caller and Clarabelle Cow who a lot of people don't even know who they are are in it and it's musical, and it's also a blend of 3D as well, not just 2D. So um, it's very innovative, and it was directed by a woman, which is also very cool, because this is the first time uh, a woman has directed a Disney short. Her name is Lauren McMullen. And um, I was fortunate enough to go to D23, and I saw a bunch of... um, I guess they had like props, quote unquote props, set up like a fake animation cell and uh, ink and paint gloves and things set up. And I got a poster, and the poster is really cool too. If you have seen it, oh yeah, did you? So um, I don't know. I mean, there's so much cool stuff out there, and I'm not saying that Disney is the master of cool, but this one is a big contender. <laughs> and um, I know I was really impressed by it, and they did a really good job, and they stayed true to that style. And Eric Goldberg uh, supervised the whole thing, and we know him for genie fame in Aladdin, among other things. Nice. So I'm glad that he's still doing some 2D work, because that's very far and few right now. Yeah. So. Unless yeah. it's on TV. Yeah, and if you, I don't know if you saw it, Mark or not. Or no, you haven't seen it, have you? Yeah, I haven't seen it. I think Stanford got to see it when he went to D23. I don't. Did they sh- they show oh, right. the entire thing at D23? I didn't see it at D23. I just saw it at DreamWorks. Right. I'm sure they did. And it's coming out with Frozen in a few weeks, so yeah. you'll get to see it then. I, I've, yeah, like what you said about it, it goes into the 3D. I've, I've heard like things about it, like where it starts off like in that original hand-drawn animation for it, and then something, something somewhere in the short at some point changes and it like shifts into like a CG 3D world type thing. Yeah, it's, it's they interact with each other. So there's 2D and 3D. Huh. And I was reading an article about how they wanted to stay um, true to character design in a 3D environment because these characters are so flat. And they had to rig them special ways, and Mickey, Mickey's ears had to be rigged a special way when he turned his head, because when he turns his head in 2D, his ears just magically flop. Okay. So they had to figure out a way of doing that in 3D, and they kept the characters very simple and um, very f- like flat. I guess it wasn't cel-shaded, but it was a very flat color, huh. and um, it works. It just works really well, so bravo to them. Definitely looking forward to seeing that with Frozen. Yeah, it's very fresh and new. Awesome. So, Matt, are you looking forward to seeing that too? Yeah, I can't wait to see that 2D, 3D, that combination. Yeah, I mean, that just sounds really cool, and I can't wait to see that. 
Did you want to talk about the the other recommendation that you had? Oh please? yeah. So I'm a big uh, Fleischer fan. That's actually my was my YouTube handle <laughs> when they when they used to have weird names like that on YouTube, but now it's just my name. Um, uh, Betty Boop. I grew up on it. My parents finally coming out on Blu-ray because for years it was just on Laserdisc or VHS and um, Blu-ray. It, it, it's not super clean, which is fine because I kind of like the pops and the film dust and all that stuff, but it's it's much easier to watch than it was on VHS. And there's two of them out right now, Volume 1 and 2, and um, there will be more, I'm sure, hopefully. But I bought Volume 1 and it has some really good stuff on it. And um, I don't know if you're you guys are fans of it or not, but it's so surreal and weird and crazy. <laughs> it's just it's so fun to watch I love it and I lo they have such great jazz because Paramount released these things and all the Paramount songs from the early you know talkies and musicals are on there so it's a slice of history so I recommend it people should definitely watch that stuff do they have any bonus features on there like like documentaries about... don't and that's a bummer because there's so much history behind the Fleischer Studios you know they did Popeye and Superman and Betty Boop and talk cartoons and all sorts of cool stuff um, I'm really bummed it's a very no frills DVD or I'm sorry Blu-ray the packaging's really nice they have really cool stock art on it but one day I, maybe the last volume they'll put some bonus features on I don't know but it's a shame yeah. or like maybe some huge box set or something yeah, I mean, I'll, I probably won't buy them all because the later they get in the 30s, you know, when the Hayes Code kicks in, Betty isn't as risque and they don't get away with such weird stuff. Um, it's really the, the early 30s ones I really enjoy. So, yeah. Cool. I don't remember if, if DreamWorks was the studio that is doing Popeyes. Is that DreamWorks or is no. that Blue Sky? That's Sony, actually. Sony? All right. Yeah. So Sony must have like the rights to like the like the flusher stuff then. I guess so. I, I mean, I haven't. I've heard my friends work at Sony, and they've said they've kept it really, really traditional, even though it's three D. Um, they're really going for that rubber hose, surrealistic style, and Genny Tartakovsky, who did Dexter's Lab, and oh, Samurai Jack, the original Clone Wars. Yeah, he's he's directing it, so I trust him. I wasn't a fan of Hotel T, so <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I was a fan of how he did like the animation for that. Though. The animation was great. He very stylistic. I I love his very rubbery, cartoony style. Yeah. He did he did a short for that Blu-ray too, which I wasn't really a fan of, but I liked the ana the animation for it. Yeah. Because it was it was the like the hand-drawn animation, and it looked like the same way he would have done for like Samurai Jack or Dexter's Laboratory or. Yeah, and isn't that they also do that in the credits, right? Yeah. The credits look like that. Yeah. Yeah, so that was cool. Yeah, so those are our recommendations for the week. Uh, we'll be back in a, a few seconds with our main topic, interviewing Miss Forer. So, see you guys in a few seconds. guys we are back with our main topic for the week uh we've if you've been listening to the rest of the episode which hopefully you have uh we've been talking with 
Jesse Forer, who works at DreamWorks Animation as a production coordinator. Uh, so we're now our main topic is we're going to be interviewing you. So get ready for all the, the hard-hitting questions Hi. and your thoughts about Syria and the you know the government shutdown and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> but actually not. We're just going to be talking about animation. So. Darn. <laughs> uh, so I guess what to to originate this, what originated your desire to get into the world of animation? So, um, I guess I briefly talked about it with Betty Boobins and old movies, and I can thank my parents for that, and it's great. I love it. They, they're they into old movies. I used to go to um, the L.A. County Museum of Art, LACMA, and they would screen old movies and Disney cartoons and Disney features all the time. So I was fortunate to see, like, Pinocchio and Snow White and Fantasia and Song of the South on the big screen. Oh man. This was like wow. late eighties. I know. Like it's it's nuts. They don't they will never do that again, you know. For Disney disowned it. Unless it's in a three D. But um <laughs> So yeah, so I was fed a steady diet of that stuff and uh I knew in some way I wanted to to work in the business or work in animation and, and I I also draw. Um, my parents are pretty artistic. My dad uh, was an art director for advertising, and my mom was in advertising, and very creative and crafty and whatnot. So I've always been drawing as a kid, and I figured, well, if I draw, maybe I can, you know, do animation. So I, when I was applying for school, for college, um, this small school called Loyola Marymount University in L.A., small college, had an animation a bachelor's program, so you can actually major in it, whereas in other universities, you can minor in it. So I figured, okay, well, this is cool. You know, I want to do film in some capacity, and they're doing animation. I'll major in it, and I'll see what it's like. So four years go by, and I realize how difficult animation is, but I still love it. And I, I got into grad school at UCLA, and I got my master's in animation, and at the end of my time there, I realized I didn't want to be an animator per se because everything's now 3D. They don't do traditional. You can't really get a job with it. And Maya is so technical. I don't know if you guys have ever played with Maya or if you use I, it. I it's so hard. I use Maya on a daily basis, and I'm yeah, still learning. So you know. I learn something new every day. Yeah, and I just I, – I, I wasn't having fun, you know. So I thought, well, let's try production and, you know, I got this job at DreamWorks and I'm in production now. So I still, I work in animation every single day. I work in an animation studio, but I'm not doing animation. But, um, yeah, I'm going to say that it just totally influenced me and it's Been it like, still like influences what? me and I love it. Sorry, the audio dropped for a second. Yeah, I thought you were done with the question. Okay. I started asking another one. Sorry. <laughs> Continue on to our next question. Um, so like that, you know, that's been your career path, like school and then work. So like ultimately, like what brought you to DreamWorks? So when I was applying for jobs right before I graduated UCLA in 2008, um, I heard about a position opening up as a production assistant at DreamWorks. And luckily the person who told me about it was also a member of, we call it the UCLA Animation Workshop. So that's, um, that's the master's program. Luckily, the animator who told me about it was also a UCLA student. So um, I had a connection from the get-go. <laughs> so 
I applied for I was trying to graduate, trying to wrap up my thesis. It was really, really stressful. You know, I was I was working part-time at Starbucks, so I was like, well, if I don't get a job in animation, I'll still have Starbucks. <laughs> so uh, I applied. I They called me. They said, okay, well, your interview's on, you know, Wednesday. And I'm like, great. And then they call back a day later, and they're like, we have to push it to Friday. Okay, I don't know if you guys know, but a Friday interview at 4 in the afternoon doesn't sound like the best time for the interview. Yeah. No. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody, everyone wants to get out, you know? So I go down there and I have my interview and everything seems fine. And of course, DreamWorks is very like stone faced. They play, they put on a great poker face. They, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, I'm driving along two weeks later. I'm going to my apartment and they call and they said, do we want to bring you on as the production assistant in layout on dragon and i said absolutely so i got my job two weeks out of grad school and that's unheard of so i've been very very fortunate and uh it's it's a real so i'm i was so ecstatic to have this job it was great so yeah that's what happened so kind of going from that you started as a production assistant Mm -hmm. uh, on how to train your dragon so what, what was that like that that experience of doing that so dragons um was a very crazy production um i i got on during a version they called 2.0 <laughs> there were three versions of this movie um the first version i wasn't familiar with i know it was closer to the book i don't know if you guys have seen the book or read the book yeah. um it's for you know, I guess kids your son's age, around that, and um, very charming and sweet and whole, like, you know, this whole Viking dragon world. Anyway, um, there was version 1.0, and then they shut that down. Then version 2.0, we had a director, and unfortunately, he had some, I guess, family illnesses or something in his family. I think his wife passed away, and he just couldn't, he couldn't handle it at that point. So they, they shut that down. September 2008 and I had just been on the show for about two months I joined in July 2008 so <laughs> my first two months were just very like tumultuous and I was kind of like okay well I just got hired what's going to happen now so they this is in layout department by the way and I'll get into that in a second but just to give you some history they put me in the human resources recruiting department for a few months while they we're trying to get the show back up and running. And I did that for about three months. And then in January, they brought me back on. And this is when Chris Sanders and Dean Dubois came on as the directors. So this was version 3.0. And 3.0 was the version that came out. You all saw it. Everyone loved it. Oscar nomination, the whole thing. So from there, then on out, January 2009 to... About January, February 2010, we hit the ground running. And um, we had such an accelerated schedule. We had to get everything done in about 10 months. Um, New Dragons, Toothless, did not. I don't know if you guys have the art book. Or I don't know if there's any Do like DVD. Yeah, I have it. I actually I reference that art book all the time. Oh, awesome. I well, love like, it, yeah. Let me look. I should probably get it out. I think I have. <laughs> I do have it. Hold on. 
Yeah, I have like, I have like sticky notes stuck in all the pages for where That's like my favorite so cool. parts of it are. I love it. The art, Nico Marley, the main character designer, he's amazing. Um, yeah. So the first version of Toothless was like this little. It's the terrible terrors, the little green dragons. Oh, yeah. So that was Toothless originally. So then when Chris and Dean came on, they just, you know, redid pretty much everything and turned Toothless into the Night Fury that we all love. And um, Hiccup changed. He's a lot different. He looked different. He was much younger in the first version, uh, more like the book. And um, we were just constant. I did so many weekends. I got a lot of overtime, constantly working. Um, layout is pretty much the cinematography department. So we do all we do all the set dressing. So we put all the rocks and the ferns and the grass and the trees and everything in a scene. And um, did you guys hear that? Yeah. <laughs> so cars reading. Um, and we do all the 3D work. So we do all the stereo, the stereography stuff and um, all the camera dust. And we're like a hub for the whole show, the whole like pipeline because a lot stems from layout. So as a production assistant, I would go to all these meetings and I would take notes and spend a lot of time in editorial, which was really cool because then you could see them cutting the movie together and, you know, how it's made. And um, I would go to big reviews in the theater and we would show, you know, do dailies and I would be responsible for taking notes for that for every department. You know, if a note comes from, you know, lighting, we make sure, or for lighting, we have to make sure that lighting gets that. Note, so I kind of just facilitate all this information, and, and um, I got to drive meetings, which was cool. So you sit, you know, behind the computer and you pull up the movie on Linux. I don't know, Matt, do you, do you have you guys used that before? We haven't, but you know, I've been right in your shoes, I've done the same exact thing, so I like doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's very, it's very quick paced, fast, but you have to be on the ball, you can't, there's no time to like screw around. Um, and I don't know, I just remember just being really, really involved with all the departments and especially layout and being very uh, supportive. It's a very supportive role. You have to make sure your artists are happy. And when it's a crunch time like that, it's really hard to keep people happy. <laughs> but, um, I had a really good working relationship with my artists. So, um, it was a good to cut my teeth on. I'm not going to lie. Like it was challenging, but it prepared me for future movies. Sure. And we had a great team too. We had really good tight team and um everyone's just like you know you're really lucky to be on this production it's it's a different production this is like a special one and people knew around the studio they're like yeah dragons it's gonna be something so and it has i mean look what it's turned into right. yeah so i yeah. love that the the tv series uses so many of the voice cast from the, the film yeah that's because uh, that's, that's stunning go ahead i was gonna say just because that's why I don't end up liking most of the ones that that are on TV, like the Kung Fu Panda one or the Penguins of Madagascar. Well, Penguins of Madagascar kind of uses mm -hmm. some of the same voices, but but I I thought that was cool that like eighty percent of the voice cast from How to Train Your Dragon was doing the the voices for the films. Like, I guess except for the exception of like Jonah Hill, uh, Gerard Butler, and Craig Ferguson, but pretty much everybody yeah. else is doing their voice. So I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, the, show, the show's great. You know, that's done in Shanghai, I believe. Um, that's they're starting up a whole animation thing over there with DreamWorks. But I don't know. It's 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 opening up a whole new world of dragons, and they have all these different crazy ones. And um, 
it's it's great and kids love it and there's so many fans out there like you go on instagram you go on deviant art right. and like all these people are yeah. just obsessed with this <laughs> it's just like wow okay um not to yeah. try to ruin anything about how to train your dragon 2 but will that film uh reference or i guess well anything that's happened in the tv series be i don't know i guess called upon in the film or was that kind of like its own universe outside of the film universe? I think it's its own in universe. I don't, you guys have seen the teaser, obviously, for Dragon 2, and yeah. Hiccup is definitely older. And as the, in the TV show, he's the same age as he was in the first movie. And I don't know if they're going to change that. I haven't heard anything. So they might want to keep it separated, but I don't know how long that's going to last because it might be confusing. Right. But um, I know they're on their second season right now. So maybe when the movie comes out, they'll, they'll change it. I don't know. So you've worked on... Madagascar 3 also, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you worked on lighting with that? I did. I was, um, if you want some history, I was promoted on Legend of the Bone Napper Dragon, which is a 2D bonus feature for the Dragon DVD. And um, I was working in art and layout, mostly. And from there, I moved on to Puss in Boots in layout as a coordinator. And then from there, I moved to Madagascar 3 as a layout coordinator. So I've only done like two departments, which is layout and lighting. They love to keep me there. I'm currently lighting on Dragon 2. But um, a production coordinator is pretty much a step up from PA. You have more responsibility. You still take notes, but you are more hands-on with the schedule, which is what the supervisor manages. And um, you still have a super close working relationship with the artist. And you drive meetings, you're more in charge of things like that, not so much picking up paychecks and <laughs> things like that. It's not the most glamorous role. Um, but you work more closely with your artistic and department supervisor, as well as the higher-ups. So your um, production manager and your associate producer, and sometimes your producer. So, um, yeah, I mean, I... I come in, I don't know if you guys hear what I do <laughs> every single day, but um, I come in and I check the calendar because we're in charge of the, the calendar every single day. And we set up meetings if things around constantly. Like you'll have so many meetings on your calendar one day, at one point in the morning and then it'll all change. So you have to be on your toes a lot. Um, nothing is set in stone. I've learned that. And you have to have patience. And I'm not a very patient person, so it's kind of difficult. Um, and then you, you go to meetings, you take your notes, you run your meetings, you go back, you, you update all your trackers. You're pretty much following all the shots in the movie. And at any given time, they're in a certain department. So... People, my lighters ask me, oh, where, where's this shot right now? And I'm like, oh, it's with CFX or it's with layout or it's still in animation blocking because we're lighting the whole movie. We need to know where all the assets are if everything's finished so we can light the movie and move on. So um, very hands-on. You're still immersed with the artistic side even though you're still managing and uh, you get a lot of face time with a lot of different people. So it's good. What do what do you think like your ultimate career goals are with with animation and, and DreamWorks or outside of DreamWorks like if you wanted to pursue outside? Since I'm a coordinator, I'm kind of in the middle. There's a large pool of us, and DreamWorks isn't really promoting at the moment. With you know with the whole layoff thing, and we're shifting a lot. There's a lot going on. 
um, business-wise. So I, I enjoy being a coordinator. The, the next step up is to be a supervisor. I would like to be a supervisor in a department I'm super familiar with, i.e. lighting, or I'm sorry, not lighting, layout, although I do know lighting too. But layout, um, you know, I worked, you know, pretty much my whole time. I've been there over five years. I've done, the majority of my work has been in layout. So if I could be promoted to a layout supervisor, be great i i don't know what movie but there's a lot to a lot coming down the pipe so we'll see um outside of dreamworks disney's got some really cool stuff like i said before um it would probably i would probably start as a coordinator because they have to test the waters with you first right. <laughs> they don't really promote and move up from there Leica has some really cool stuff you guys have seen the box trolls yeah trailer? i've seen that yeah, yeah box trolls looks really good yeah that, that i love looks really awesome their stuff is so cool and different and you know i've never done stop motion before so um like it would be a really neat place portland, i've never been to portland i'm actually going there for uh we have a christmas break we get a week off so i get to go up there and just check it out nice. see what it's like um have you guys been to portland before i have not i i had applied for a few jobs there i applied at, at like a for a production assistant job too but since I'm, since I'm still here in Arizona, we can. <laughs> I just, I think it would be a, a really cool, different experience. So, um, other than flying to London, work at Ardman, I don't think oh, I, yeah. could, I could get over there. Um, visas and all that. But, um. You get to, have to talk to our, our writer, Phil, about that. He got to, to go to the Ardman studio and interview uh, Peter Lord for us a few months ago. Oh, so that's so cool. That's pretty cool for him. Other than the pirates, I haven't seen anything. Oh, you need to check I out, like, the... Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. Oh, no, I mean, oh, I've seen all their stuff, oh, but okay. I don't know if they're coming out with anything new. All right. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, oh, also, I, since I have this master's, this very expensive degree that I'm still paying for <laughs> forever, <laughs> probably, I, yeah, no end in sight on the, those loans. But um, I would love to teach history of animation. And I'm try I'm kind of toying with the idea right now. I just have to figure out a way to do it with work. But um, I love history of animation. I think it's so cool. And I actually TA'd for Charles Solomon. He's a big animation historian. He's wrote a bunch of books um, at UCLA. And I got a feel for you know, how to teach class. And I had office hours with students and helped them with their papers. And I just thought it was really neat. So that's the the other direction I'd like to go into cool. teaching. So Matt's been doing yeah. some stuff like that too. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I, it, I love it. Um, I actually teach a lighting and rendering course in Maya and I, you know, I teach night classes. So it's like after work, uh, two nights a week, like Tuesday, Thursdays, I leave, you know, Fisher price, go right there, teach for an hour and then go home. So it's like the perfect thing for me. I love teaching. So I'm, you know, I'm glad you like, you know, doing that as well. That's that's what I want to kind of work out, but work hours are so yeah down. It's it's gonna be difficult. So it's not happening yet. It's just an idea. But yeah, that's exactly what I would want to do. Just work, you know, do twice a week or whatever they need to do, and then uh, come home. What's next for you and DreamWorks? So what's next for me and DreamWorks is wrapping up Dragons Two. It comes out in June, and lighting needs to be finished by latest spring, um, because we have to do real locks and luster, which is color correction and things like that, and that takes a few weeks. 
and then get it out there. And um, there's a lot of movies. I don't know what's next, see what's opening up, but um, they don't give you like a hard uh, schedule. It's like, hey, yes, you're going on this movie in, you know, in May. So um, I won't know until about April. It's going to happen. But um, I'll probably, uh, you know, stay coordinator. I don't know how promotions are going to be working, but hopefully we'll get to move up. We'll see. Yeah, because we're, we're definitely looking forward to, because we know it's back in development. The me and my shadow, we're looking forward to that, and some of the, yeah. the other things coming out as well. The Penguins of Madagascar movie, the Mumbai musical. There's uh, the the Australia one too. I don't remember what, what it's called. Oh yeah, that's right. Tim Mitchum. Do you guys know who that is? Uh, after I, after I read the news, I kind of tried to look him up a little bit because I didn't know that much about him, but. My friends are fans of his. The thing about Shadows, I was on Shadows for a year and a half in layout, and you know, when that kind of, it's kind of hard because a lot of my friends were let go and a big huge shift happened. But I will say the movie looked really, really cool. You guys probably would have geeked out on it, and uh, <laughs> hopefully it'll resurrect itself. It was very different. We'd never done anything like that. We were developing this pipeline that never happened before as we were making the movie. Very ambitious. Uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens. That I haven't really heard that much. Um, the, the studio is just kind of focusing on getting dragons out because it's a it's a big it's a movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, we're hoping that comes out too because I, I really liked that idea of mixing the again the CG and the hand drawn animated stuff. So yeah, it was great. We had all these ex Disney animators, all these two D guys. Like I got to scan artwork. Like it was crazy holding the the animation paper in your hand. You know, knowing that this is happening like a lot of people don't get to experience that and yeah it was really cool the style was really neat yeah it's a shame had bill Hader? i don't i don't know if you know but <laughs> did bill Hader like already record like all the stuff for that and then like stuff got started to get reshifted or whatever yeah we had we had a ton of recording we had um what you know towards the end of it I don't think it's much, but it was Bill Hader and it was Josh Gad, who's Olaf, which I thought was kind of weird, <laughs> um, in Frozen. And it was Kate Hudson, who played Heidi. So, um, and she was a really cute character. I really liked her um, her design. All the designs were great. So I guess to kind of close this out, how would you suggest to aspiring young filmmakers to break an animation world as possibly like a production assistant or something if they didn't, may not necessarily have like a background in animation, but still like have a, a passion for the field itself? I guess that's like a very specific question. I guess just apply to as many. <laughs> um, are you looking? <laughs> uh, yeah. I think just apply to everything you can find. You know, I mean, unfortunately, like a lot, the whole industry is out here. I live in, I live in the San Fernando Valley. Warner Brothers is walking distance for me. NBC, all those places. Um, you just have to keep lying and lying and do whatever it takes. I know it's, I mean, it's really hard for me to like connect with that because I got my job so quickly out of school. And um, a lot of it is just make a lot of connections because you never know who's going to have something opening up or if anyone needs help with a side project or things like that. Side projects are good too. That's a good way of making connections. Um, and just, you know, read up on the trades and, things like that just be in the know and be um mindful of what's happening which you guys totally are because you have this podcast so 
<laughs> you know things up. But yeah, it's it's you just gotta keep pursuing. But I think no, I think I, what, go, like what you were getting at. Um, you know, I kind of teach the same thing to my students, and a lot of my students actually listen to this podcast. So it, it's I think it's useful for them to you know listen to like you know the advice that you know you have, and like I tell them, you know, you just have to you know keep yourself you know in the mix. Like this is what I do. Like I do the podcast that stay in the mix of the animation world, and I you know I tell them you know go out there and like you know go to like a Borders and look at the animation magazines, you know, enter online contests, you know, just do everything you can to keep, you know, up with what you're doing. And, you know, yeah. like you said, apply everywhere. So, I mean, I think that's, that's really good advice. So, you know, we, we you know, we thank you for that. Yeah. And to, to continue. Oh, yeah, to, of course. Yeah. To continue to thank you. Thank you again for coming on the episode with us today and actually coming on for the entire episode. That was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Join us yeah, for, not, I hope not I didn't too, take over <laughs> oh no <laughs> thank you i appreciate you guys having me i thought that was really cool yeah yeah well um you know good luck with uh, your career and you know maybe we could have you uh, on again sometime Definitely. yeah of course uh and we're gonna do all the, the formal closing out stuff you can join us for this as well if you'd like to okay sure if uh, it doesn't die <laughs> yeah. uh don't forget you guys can follow us all individually on twitter I'm at Mark Vibbert, M-A-R-C-V-I-B-B-R-T. And I am at Questpact, Q-U-E-S-T-P-A-C-T. Where, where can they find you online? I am on Instagram. I don't do Twitter. Um, it's just too much. <laughs> but my handle on Instagram is Jesse Forer, which is J-E-S-S-I-E number four E-R. Or you guys can follow the show on Twitter at Animated Podcast, or we're also on Instagram at Animation Fascination. Uh, feel free to email us all at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can visit our site at animationfascination.wordpress.com. We always have latest news from the animation world going on there. Uh, we set a goal to try to get us to 1,000 likes on Facebook by the end of the year, so... We're at 5.50 right now, so if you haven't done so yet, look, search for us on Facebook or just search for Animation Fascination, you'd find us. We post all our stuff there, too. Sometimes post other like little funny pictures like or like not Quitter animation stuff there as well. So, uh, And then you can also, uh, if you haven't yet, go to iTunes and uh, leave us a review. If uh, So anytime you do that, it'll help us get better. I'll let more people know about our show. So if you do that, we would be very grateful for that as well. So I'm Mark Vibbert for myself, Matt Quest, and our guest, Jesse Forer. Thank you guys for listening, and make sure to tune in again next time. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Have a good night. No problem. You too. Okay, bye. bye.
heard I heard keep Hello, celebrating in the Yeah. Hello. I heard, hey. <laughs> I heard keep celebrating and, and then Matt's talk. Oh you know, she was quiet the entire hour and then someone just pulled in the driveway. Katie, sit. Come on. Alright. I'll I'll be back real quick. Alright. And and you'll be our, our first guest from DreamWorks on here as well too. Whoa. So. What an honor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, DreamWorks finally getting some representation. It's awesome. Yeah. And I guess they originally had like a little scene that that showed. That <laughs> I have sh no idea where that came from. <laughs> Someone was looking for the phone. Uh, I'm cool. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. <laughs>